and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about a number of items. We're going to talk about all of the warnings now that they are planning to bring back the COVID regulations. What will that mean? Uh, Will there be forced mask wearing? Is there a new variant out there? Uh, What's going to happen with it? And and how should we understand that as Americans? We're going to go over some of those stories. Uh, We're also going to talk uh, about what's going on in New York. Now, we warned everybody about Georgetown University. We've warned people many times, pay attention to what happens at Georgetown. Georgetown University, in my opinion, is the most politically influential university in the country. And there they built a mosque earlier this year. Built a mosque for the Muslims earlier this year. And now here, months later, We are hearing that uh, the mayor of New York has agreed to allow the Muslims to broadcast their call to prayer. The Islamic call to prayer will now be blasted throughout the streets of New York as we approach the anniversary of 9-11, the anniversary of the attack on September the 11th, and it's in this month the month of September, that the mayor of New York has decided, yes, now it's time to let the Muslims broadcast their call to prayer. Uh, And not a few people are objecting to this, obviously. Uh, But we'll talk about that. And what does that mean? Uh, But let's let's go over this uh, COVID stuff. There's a story posted by the New York Post not long ago. In fact, just... A day ago. And the headline says Fauci admits to lack of COVID mask evidence, but wants us to wear them anyway. So people are warning that these mask mandates are going to return, that they're going to start forcing people to wear masks again. For example, when you travel, when you go out in public, when you go to different places, they're going to going to require supposedly it hasn't happened yet. But people have been warning that it's moving in that direction. Is that what we're going to see happen here through September and October as we arrive at the end of this year? Remember, when COVID first broke out, there were things that were going on in October, November, and December. It was then January, February that they began really announcing that there was this pandemic. So I don't know if history repeats itself, maybe what they're doing is laying the groundwork here in the fall. And then after the first of the year, they're really going to push the agenda. 
But let, let's uh, listen to a soundbite here from Dr. Fauci on CNN talking about the whole mask wearing debate. Here's what he said. Listen. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. Okay, now I'm going to play just a little tiny montage. This is from uh, a YouTube source called Meet News Network. Meet News Network. And they have a whole series of audio clips with music in the background showing how everybody from Dr. Fauci to Dr. Burks to the Surgeon General, etc., said masks are not necessary and they discouraged them early on. Uh, and that if you're a healthy person, the mask is not going to do you any good at all. They, they, that used to be what they told everyone. Listen. Government officials say face masks are not necessary if you are healthy. Wearing this as a healthy person will not protect you. When you stay safe by washing your hands, by covering your cough, by staying home if you're sick, masks do not work for the general public in preventing them from getting coronavirus. Right. People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no. closely to them. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. And so for everyday New Yorkers, we don't recommend the use of surgical masks. We don't generally recommend the wearing of masks in public by otherwise well individuals because uh, it has not been up to now associated with any particular benefit. And it really does displease me to find people going out. There's no role for these masks in the community. All right, so in that clip, again, you were hearing everybody from Dr. Burks, who was saying that the mask is not gonna do you any good if you're healthy, to the Surgeon General, Admitting to this, the very last person you heard, well, well you heard Fauci in there as well. Uh, then you heard the uh, uh, one of the health directors from New York, uh, New York State. And uh, the last person you heard was uh, Redfield with the CDC, okay, saying that it just really bothers him, people going around wearing these masks and there's no need for it, etc., and they, they, then later on, Fauci claimed that the reason they said that was because people were buying up the masks and they needed them for the medical community. The doctors and the nurses needed the masks. So they were afraid there was going to be a mask shortage. Then later on, they flip flopped and they said, no, now we think everybody needs to wear a mask and so on. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, I want to play one more clip. This is of Senator Rand Paul confronting Dr. Fauci, which he's done in uh, a number of ways that I think we should all be thankful for, thankful that we've got somebody in our government who is actually standing up and confronting the ridiculousness of the uh, uh, these COVID mandates that are constantly changing. But listen to what Senator Rand Paul said to Fauci, and you can hear their exchange. Here it is. Is variants and now is there what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants 
None in our country. Zero. Well, because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet. We're having one. Can I finish? We're having one one seven that's becoming more dominant. Policy based on conjecture. No, you it, have the. It isn't based on conjecture. So you some you won't be able to wear a mask for another couple of years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask who've been vaccinated. Yeah. Instead, you should be saying there is no science right. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people who are vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. You won't be able to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. Okay, so just so we understand, that debate is from according to where it is uh, found on YouTube. It says March 18th, 2021. March 18th, 2021. So about two years ago, a little over two years ago, that was the debate on masks. Are And we all know what happened. The mask mandates continued. You couldn't get on an airplane without a mask. I mean, I just gave up flying during that time because I didn't want to have to go through all of the uh, the arguments and everything at, at the airport. Uh, and, and I didn't want to go fly and wear a mask and this kind of thing. So I just gave up flying. Then uh, once they dropped the mask mandate at the airports, I remember going there and things seemed like they were back to normal. In fact, if anything, the airports, all of the airports, because I... I traveled to different places and went through, I think I went through Dallas at one point. I think I may have gone through Atlanta, but the airports were very, very full. Lots and lots of people, lots of people busier than they had been before COVID. And uh, it seemed like people were eager to get back out and travel again. That's how it seemed to me. But anyway, So this now begs the question, are they going to, after all these exchanges and back and forth, and you have some people saying that masks are beneficial, other people are saying, no, they do absolutely nothing, they're not going to prevent anything, etc. Where is society, the government? I mean, Dr. Fauci, as we know, is no longer in the office that he had before. He has retired from that office and now is working, surprise, surprise, over at Georgetown University. I've talked about that before. But uh, remember, it was at Georgetown University that Dr. Fauci made the announcement shortly after Donald Trump was elected president back in 2016. Uh, It's from Georgetown that he makes the announcement that there will be a surprise pandemic for the Trump administration. And I've played that audio before. We're not going to go over it again today, but very interesting that Dr. Fauci is at Georgetown University. And what's going to happen with these mask mandates? Some people are saying they're they're coming back. Others are saying they won't. President Trump 
published a video in which he openly said concerning the COVID lockdowns and so on, he said, quote, we will not comply. And so he's basically thrown down the gauntlet at the Biden administration and pretty much all of the governments across the country and said, no, we're not going to allow lockdowns to happen again, shutting down the businesses and all these other things. People have been predicting that this is what's going to happen here through September and October. Maybe it'll spill over into November and December. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But people are arguing that if there is pushback, if the American people push back, they stand up and they say, no, we're not going to go along with this. We reject it. We refuse it, etc." that if enough people refuse to cooperate, then the powers of government will back down. Will back down. And I think where this this COVID stuff is concerned, especially where the vaccines are concerned, you know, the masks are one thing. They're really annoying. I admit, very annoying. The whole idea of wearing these masks. But with the vaccine, now with all these stories that are openly admitted that you can be subject to sudden death syndrome, you can be subject to myocarditis with the heart condition, you can be subject to the blood clots that can cause death, that there's all sorts of conditions that people have developed, some that I, I think they don't yet fully understand. But there are, there's no question that a certain percentage of the population has a negative reaction from the COVID vaccines. And as we know, there are several different versions of the COVID vaccine. But nonetheless, there are pl- there's plenty of data out there. The death toll has gone up dramatically since they rolled out the vaccines. They're finding strange substances in people's blood, strange clotting and everything else that's going on uh, in the human bloodstreams. Some people are even predicting that in the years ahead, the unvaxxed, the people who have never been vaccinated with this COVID vaccine, that their blood is going to be the most desirable, you know, for blood transfusions and things like that, because uh, people who have been vaccinated, their their DNA has been permanently altered. Now, I'm not a scientist, folks. I am simply telling you what is being discussed what is being reported by doctors, nurses, medical professionals, scientists out there who have been talking about this for the past several years, and many of you are already aware of it. Now, I believe, as I did a show when we talked about this before, and I compared the COVID vaccines, what they do with the COVID vaccine in terms of making them mandatory, and effectively saying that they want to shut down people's lives if you don't go along with the COVID vaccine. This, I think, we, we are right to stand up to and to object to because they essentially want to make it impossible for you to live and work and just live your life in our society unless you accept this highly controversial and in many cases dangerous and even deadly vaccine that has had a harmful impact on many people. And you don't know whether or not you're going to be one of those people until after you've taken the vaccine. That's the problem with it. 
Does the government have a right to force this kind of thing on the general population? Well, I relate this to the story of the children of Israel and a guy named Nahash the Ammonite in the Old Testament. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to our commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Nahash the Ammonite. We're going to talk about a woman, a very brave, very bold woman who's been speaking out, Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament. We'll talk about all that when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, the True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Thanks for staying with the program today. Today, we're talking about the possible return of COVID. Will it be COVID 2.0? Well, the next few months will be the answer to that question, I think, at least based on the reports we're hearing early on. It looks like they may try to bring back the COVID mandates. There are many voices, however, including that of President Donald Trump saying, we will not comply. That's the response being given by many people. Uh, it should be interesting. Uh, before we get into that, before we go on and talk about these other issues, I wanted to give an update on the release of our new film, American Jesuits. 
Uh, our initial projection was to release it here in September. However, we are of necessity pushing that back into October. Uh, it's going to be at least another month before we can get the project completed, partly because we've had a delay with the final filming. We've got to shoot these dramatizations, and the only location that works for what I want to do is a place nearby called Fiddler's Grove. It is in Lebanon, Tennessee, and it is a great location. I've used it before. It has a lot of 19th century, very, very rustic, antique, you know, log cabin, old offices, old environment that'll be perfect for these particular uh, reenactments that uh, that I need to film uh, to finish things up. But unfortunately, Fiddler's Grove is very, very busy through the summer. I thought we were going to be able to get in there in August, and we were not able to actually get in there to do the filming because of scheduling conflicts. And uh, then there's a certain amount of juggling that goes on with the actors as well. Uh, but nevertheless, we've got it all set up for this coming week, September the 8th. We will be doing the filming there at Fiddler's Grove. We would ask our supporters to pray for us, pray that that day goes well, and then we'll have the footage and we'll be able to move forward and complete this project. But right now, the projection is for the month of October to have it done. Now, part of the reason we're shooting these reenactments, I actually found an actor who looks almost exactly like Ignatius Loyola in one of the paintings, one of the old paintings that is very, very commonly used for Ignatius. And this guy who I only met here somewhere about the somewhere in the last 30 days met him and kept looking at him. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy looks like Ignatius Loyola. That's just unbelievable. So anyway, so he's agreed to take part and we've got him on the uh, schedule for uh, Friday, September the 8th. He's going to be doing some filming with us on that day. And then we've got a couple of other actors, people that we've used before, people who are going to be familiar faces uh, for some of you, those of you who have seen our other films. We're actually bringing together California and Tennessee for these dramatizations. Very interesting. But the the stuff we've got in this film, you guys, is powerful, powerful information. I'm not sure that anyone has ever produced a documentary of, of any kind that that is such an expose of the Jesuit order, past and present, because we definitely talk about modern times and how the Jesuits influence modern America and the world and globalism. So... Pray for us, pray for this production overall, and we are pressing forward. Also, remember, we are still allowing pre-orders for the film, pre-orders for the film only. Uh, for those who want to order ahead of time, we usually have a certain part of our audience who, who likes to get the first copies. So if you want to pre-order the film, you can go to our website at adullamfilms.com, adullamfilms.com. Uh, that's A-D-U-L-L-A-M films f-i-l-m-s dot com and then on the home page to the left click on one of the newsletters any of the past couple of newsletters click on it and you'll see we offer the pre-sale there through the newsletter all right so now we return to our 
primary subject today, which is COVID 2.0, the return, COVID part two. You know, they always had sequels to Jaws and Friday the 13th and Halloween, all those horror movies. I guess COVID is kind of an American horror story. And uh, so maybe COVID 2.0, COVID part two, something like that. Who knows? But uh, again, right now, a lot of it is speculation. Not entirely. There are things that are beginning to happen. There are some colleges, universities and so on that have begun to reintroduce the requirement of wearing masks and that kind of thing. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens through September into October. That's where this is supposed to gain more and more momentum. And of course, they're claiming that there's a new variant out there. Uh, And so these things are going to become more and more important as things press forward. So we've got to be in prayer and we've got to seek how we ought to respond. I wanted to play some audio from Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament. She has been speaking out on this whole issue on the uh, COVID pandemic that some people call a plandemic. And let's hear what she had to say. She is uh, this. uh, Somebody had uh, posted this on Twitter, which is now called X. And they said, quote, you cannot comply your way out of tyranny. It is impossible. Stop complying. Start rebelling. They're out to get you if you do not resist. And then it has a quote, European Parliament, COVID madness, the so-called pandemic It was just a test balloon, a gigantic test balloon. And they are apparently quoting this um, member of the European Parliament, an MEP, Christine Anderson. Let's hear what she had to say. Here it is. COVID madness, this so-called pandemic, it was just a test balloon, a gigantic test balloon. Well, for what you ask? Well, to see how far they could go, to see what exactly they would have to do to get free individuals in a free and democratic society to consent to being forced into compliance. That's what they were trying to establish. That's what they were trying to figure out. And they have, they have figured it out. Trust me, they are much smarter now. The goal ultimately is to transform our free and democratic societies um, yeah, into totalitarian societies. Their goal is to strip each and every one of us of our fundamental rights of freedom, democracy, the rule of law. They want to get rid of all of this. This whole COVID thing had never anything to do with public health. It never had anything to do with breaking waves. It always had to do with breaking people in order to make us a part of a mindless, malleable mass, which they can totally control. And we will be completely dependent upon this globalitarian elite. So I'm really imploring the people and all the peoples around the world, stop 
giving your democratically elected governments the benefit of the doubt. They are not deserving of that. They are not. Stop rationalizing whatever your government is doing. Try Stop rationalizing and come up with some good intentions. They have no good intentions. Never. As I said before, in the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite concerned about the well-being of regular people. And it isn't any different now. Why should it stop giving them the benefit of the doubt? Because I can tell you, you cannot comply your way out of a tyranny. It is impossible. Trying to do so, you will only feed a gigantic alligator in the hopes of being eaten last. But guess what? Your turn will come, and then you will be the one swallowed up. I also have to ask the people, end your silence. Speak up. Stop complying. Start rebelling. They're out to get you if you do not resist. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, at this point, nobody can say that there were no warnings. Nobody can say that, well, nobody in, nobody in leadership was willing to sound an alarm or to warn anybody. We, we can't say that. We have had people who have been giving warnings on this whole COVID issue, this whole controversy. We, we've had warnings right from the beginning. We've had people who have warned about the vaccine, people who have warned that this is really about power and control. This is not, this doesn't have anything to do with public health or any of that. Uh, and I'm not going to go over all the issues. There's lots of information out there. People have made thousands and thousands of videos and podcasts and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, by now, if you're not aware of the warnings, then it it's because you're not paying attention. You're just not paying attention to what's going on. I believe we have a responsibility as Christians. Jesus says, take heed that no man deceive you. I believe we have a responsibility to resist and avoid deception in as much as we have the ability to do it. Uh, none of us is perfect. We all fall short somewhere. But on this issue, there are many, many warnings that are out there. Uh, while on the other side, those who are very pro-vax and uh, pro-Fauci, etc., people who are just hook, line, and sinker, given in to Fauciism, uh, somebody like uh, Sean Penn, the Hollywood actor Sean Penn, is now uh, being quoted. He's posted a video where he's saying that COVID is a mandatory rehearsal for things to come. Mandatory rehearsal for things to come. And people are asking, you know, well, who signed up for this mandatory rehearsal? Huh? What? Let's listen to what Sean Penn said. This is pretty short. Here it is. That will ultimately get us out of this mess uh, with a vaccine. But this is also a kind of, you know, we're going to have to take the silver linings on this. This is, this is a, a mandatory rehearsal for things to come and that we are going to have to deal with as a society. Okay, now that, 
quote there. We know that Hollywood is part of the globalist machine, that there are people in the intelligence community and the CIA and elsewhere who are projecting ideas through Hollywood. This has been going on for decades. We had the great, great American iconic actor John Wayne warning years ago. He warned that the communists were trying to infiltrate Hollywood. There's even an interview with John Wayne. I've played audio from it before. I'm not going to play it again, but you can find it online where John Wayne is warning about the commies coming into Hollywood and the Duke, uh, to his credit, was one of those great Americans who opposed them and said, no, we're not going to cooperate with these guys. And uh, but of course, eventually, because they're very persistent and they're relentless, eventually they got in. So that clip sounds more like what people were saying early on with covid that coronavirus is the crown jewel of the new world order, that they are going to use this whole concept of this uh, coronavirus and and pandemics and this kind of thing that they're going to use this to establish the entire totalitarian system of globalism, world communism that they have been working on for many, many years, literally more than a hundred years now, according to official records. When I say official records, I mean the U S Congress, and the Reese Committee that documented the activities of these Marxist groups with Rockefeller, Ford, Carnegie, and others now that have joined them uh, many years afterward, uh, like George Soros and uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, their foundation, the Clinton Foundation, etc. They're all moving things in the same direction. But uh, let me play another clip from Sean Penn, because this is where This is where you have kind of Mark of the Beast type dialogue going on. And it's why people in the Christian community have associated the COVID vaccine with the Mark of the Beast from the book of Revelation, because the powers at work want to make being vaccinated or not being vaccinated a matter of whether you can operate in society. That If they could get what they want, uh, no man might be able to buy or sell except uh, he who uh, bears the uh, mark of vaccination, or so it seems. Now, up to now, I have not believed that the, the vaccine is, quote, the mark of the beast. I don't necessarily think it is, but it is certainly moving. The arguments that are being made are moving things in that direction. Let's hear what Sean Penn had to say. And this is uh, another interview that he was in where he's being asked asked about the unvaccinated. Listen. What goes through your mind when you hear a lot of the anti-vaccine rhetoric? Um, it, it's, it's a cowardice of conviction. I, I think that it is an unwillingness to engage in a culture of common sense. Uh, that at this point, it seems criminal to me, actually. I, I really feel that, um, that, that that if someone chooses not to be vaccinated, that they should choose to stay home, not go to work, not have a job. These are, you know, as, as long as we're all paying for these streets, we got to ride safely on them. And so I'm just hopeful that the mindset will change. 
And it started, we know that it's, this really started with leadership voids. And now I think that there are some examples of leadership that are being helpful with it. Uh, but we really got to get everyone else, every, every, everybody on the same page. And I think the CDC should be much more clear. Okay, so that's, again, Sean Penn. That's his view. And we know that there's a number of the people out there in Hollywood who had a similar view. And uh, whether or not this is all going to resurface, it's almost like COVID was exposed for a sham. The vaccines, because people are just dying suddenly, they're dropping over. Anybody can get on the Internet. You know, mainstream media, they can choose not to show the videos of these things happening. But with the internet now, people all over the world can get online and they can see this stuff. And because every virtually everybody has a camera who owns a, uh, an iPhone or some kind of cell phone, so people can record stuff wherever they are. And then they can upload it to the internet and mainstream media cannot regulate it. They can't stop it. They're trying to find ways to stop it now because they realize that uh, the Internet is sort of overwhelming them by exposing their lies. And, and uh, it's, to me, it reminds me of what happened with the uh, Great Reformation and the printing press. That once society reached a point where they could produce more Bibles and more Bible tracts and writings and so on, uh, preaching the gospel and preaching the Word of God and confronting the Antichrist powers of the Inquisition, etc., that's what helped to transform society. My hope and my prayer is that the internet would become like the printing press and that uh, God-fearing people would make full use of it to proclaim God's truth and also to sound the alarm. I do believe that we have a responsibility to speak out against evil and wickedness and deception when it's obvious that it's happening. Um, look at the, the approach that was taken by uh, Grace to You with John MacArthur out there in California. They went along with the, uh, the shutdowns initially, and they said, okay, we'll, we'll close things down. We don't want to be responsible for harming anybody. But once a few months had passed, and it became clear that there was no pandemic uh, John MacArthur, I think, rightly said, we're just not going to keep going along with this. This is obviously not really a pandemic. And so they started having church again, and many other churches followed. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, that we had here in America somebody like John MacArthur, somebody who had a significant standing uh, and who could be influential across the country. And of course, he was interacting with President Trump as well. Uh, but if you listen to what Sean Penn was saying, when Sean Penn was saying he thought it was a leadership problem, that was obviously, I think, he was directed at President Trump. And if anything, I think President Trump went along too far with Fauci and these guys. I think he should have resisted them even more. But it was a, a very, very bad situation. Who knows what's going to happen going forward? We need to be in prayer. We need to seek the Lord and just hope and pray that our country doesn't go into lockdown again. And that's part of the reason why we're talking about this, to make people aware of what the issues are. 
remember, if this deception is from the prince of the power of the air, from the devil, if this is a devilish deception, let's remember what the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's hope that can be the case on any potential uh, COVID lockdown 2.0. But when they start talking about things like what we heard Sean Penn say, and he's not alone in, in this kind of assertion, there are other people who talk this way, uh, saying that it's, quote, criminal that you're not getting vaccinated, that, that you should be forced to stay home, you should not be allowed to work, etc., this is they're basically saying your life should be canceled unless you go along with this covid mandate. And I have talked about this before. I believe this is I believe we have biblical wisdom on this. This is to me this is just like what happened when uh when Nahash the Ammonite we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 11. 1 Samuel chapter 11. Let's just read a few verses here. It says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. Okay? So the men of Jabesh, and now this is part of Israel, they said to this guy who was when he came up against him with his army and he's threatening them and they're, they're going out to him. They're sending representatives out to say, well, make a covenant with us, make some kind of agreement and then we'll serve thee. We'll, we'll be in submission to you. Verse two and Nahash, the Ammonite answered them on this condition. Will I make a covenant with you? that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Okay? So Nahash says to the leaders of Israel, okay, yeah, we'll make a covenant. Here's here's my condition. Uh, I want to be able to thrust out your right eyes, gouge out their right eyes. How horrific. Uh, And if you let me do that, then I'll make a covenant. That'll be the covenant. I want to lay that for a reproach upon all Israel. And uh, then we can be at peace because that's what the covenant's going to be. It's going to be a covenant of peace, right? So we'll have peace once we get to gouge out all of your eyes, your right eyes. Okay, leave them with one eye, but take the right eye. Those are the conditions. So the elders of Jabesh said unto him, give us seven days respite that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Verse four, then came the messengers to Gabeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, what aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel 
by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. Okay, so notice what happens. I want to I draw attention to verse 6, because I believe this is the Lord's response to this kind of tyranny. In verse 6, where it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. The indignation of this, this wicked declaration from an enemy of Israel, trying to subjugate them and humiliate them and force them to do something that's going to be a, a, a painful uh, and horrible reproach upon them as a form of humiliation to gouge out their eyes. Okay? And notice, uh, Saul doesn't now suddenly adopt, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, he doesn't suddenly develop this loving attitude toward uh, Nahash the Ammonite and, and say, well, let's call people together and pray for Nahash and whatever. That's not what happens. That's not what happens at all. There is, there is a, a sense of wrath and indignation against the wicked that God has. And that doesn't really change in the New Testament, not when you're talking about this kind of evil. There's one thing for people to operate in ignorance, but how could anybody be ignorant? How could Nahash be ignorant about what he's doing? It is part of the common law that God has written on the hearts of all men. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Read Romans chapter two, makes that very clear. Nahash should have known better than to make this kind of a demand of the children of Israel. And so Saul, who was the first king of Israel, he had been, he'd really just been anointed a short time earlier and, uh, and, or and crowned, anointed and crowned as king. And there were some people who questioned whether or not he would be able to deliver them from their enemies. So that's why this conviction is there. And Saul uh, hews the oxen in pieces and says, let, let the men know that if they don't turn out, this is what's going to happen to their oxen. And so then the fear of the Lord come upon the people and they join together and they support Saul. And what happens? They go into battle. They resist this guy, Nahash, the Ammonite, and by the grace of God, by the power of God, they prevail. They defeat their wicked enemy. Okay. Now I believe that is how the Lord would have his people to respond to tyranny. I think that when people start quoting, turn the other cheek and love your enemies and stuff like that, in situations like this, they are quoting the scriptures out of context. It's just like when somebody quotes, judge not lest you be judged because you rebuke uh, or speak against evil and wickedness. And then somebody says, oh, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. No, you're quoting scripture out of context. There's a time and a place for that. But uh, speaking out against evil, that's not the time to go around saying, judge not lest you be judged. So it is when you have this kind of wicked tyranny, this kind of abuse of power, that's not the time to say, oh, we'll love your enemies and Jesus just wants us to pray for them. That's not appropriate. You're not going to find Jesus doing that anywhere in the New Testament. 
Now, some people think that that's what's going on when he prays from the cross in Luke 23. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Okay, when Jesus is praying, he's praying for those who are ignorant, those who don't realize what they are doing. He's not praying for people who are presumptuous and arrogant and who know that what they're doing is unreasonable and wrong and that they would not want other people to do this to them. Uh, you know, the, the, the Roman soldiers probably who were crucifying Jesus were just following orders in a sense. You know, just like if, if we've got guys that work at a jail somewhere and uh, somebody's taken to the jail in handcuffs and they say, all right, you got to check this guy in. That might be a completely innocent man, but the jailers don't know that. They're, they're, they're not aware. Their job is just to go put the guy in a cell. Okay? So uh, that's the sense of it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, which is entirely consistent with Numbers chapter 15 in the Old Testament, where God says the high priest makes an atonement for those who sin in ignorance. Those who sin in ignorance, an atonement is made, they are forgiven their sin, who sin in ignorance. But the Lord says, whosoever doeth of presumption, even that soul shall be utterly cut off because they have despised the word of the Lord and broken his commandment. So it's simply not appropriate to say, love your enemies and, and, and this kind of thing in every situation. Just like it's not appropriate to say, judge not lest you be judged in every situation. Okay, so we have to consider the whole counsel of God. And it's important to remember when Jesus said, love your enemies, he said, love your enemies so that you can be as the sons of your father in heaven, like father, like son. Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself, but only that which he sees the father doeth. He said, if Abraham were your father, then you would do the works of Abraham. So the only way that you can love your enemies and be like a child of God is to love your enemies in the same way that God loves his enemies. That's the only way, in imitation of God. Children typically imitate their father. But the only way that we can know how God loves his enemies is by searching the Holy Scripture and looking at the examples of how God loves his enemies from Genesis to Revelation. And we have to remember that Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that Paul tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction, for reproof, for doctrine, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So it's only through an examination of the Holy Scriptures that we can comprehend these things. Of ourselves, we will, we will fall from one extreme to the other. We'll go from, we'll either be too, too harsh and severe or uh, too wishy-washy and uh, too willing to accept evil behavior. Like, for example, uh, when you have King Ahab dealing with Ben-Hadad and uh, Ben-Hadad, you know, God had wanted him to put Ben-Hadad to death. And rather than put Ben-Hadad to death, Ahab says, oh, Ben-Hadad, does he live? He is my brother. We're brothers now. 
Here this was an enemy that had tried to invade uh, the country and to take over Ahab's kingdom and humiliate him and the people of Israel and had also blasphemed God, if you read the account. And God wanted Ahab, King Ahab, to put Ben-Hadad to death, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't execute judgment against him. He wouldn't use the lawful authority of a magistrate before God to carry out God's judgment. And so what happened? God sends a prophet who says, your life shall go for his life, your people for his people, because you have let go out of your hand one whom the Lord had appointed for destruction. And this is a a side of God's judgments and his expectations for his people that we've not examined enough in the 20th and now into the 21st century. Our ancestors examined it, I think, in greater detail. But for whatever reason, in post-World War II, America, and really throughout the West, everything bends in the direction of excessive toleration, toleration of things that are just evil and wicked. And that form of toleration has now progressed to the point where we have levels of evil and wickedness going on that are being normalized that are just beyond belief. I mean, you you cannot, especially with the schools and what they're doing with children right now is unbelievable. Unbelievable. You have people who are saying they want abortion rights up to 30 days, a child 30 days out of the womb, up to months out of the womb. I've heard some people say it's unbelievable. Just wanting to legalize outright murder of newborn children. And there are people who want to sign this into law. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But why? Because I believe God-fearing Christian people in this country since the end of World War II have simply allowed an excessive amount of toleration toward evil, toward outright evil in our country, in our society. And exactly what needs to be done to turn this thing around? Uh, because this is this is not the first time in history that this has happened. I know some people see and hear these things and they, they think, oh, well, the world must be getting ready to end any moment. Not necessarily. This is what happened in ancient Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what happened when you read the book of Judges and you read about the Benjamites and how the Benjamites had corrupted themselves where they had gang raped a woman, the Levite's concubine, and raped her to death, killed her. And then all of the other tribes of Israel, when they find out about it, they come out against them and they confront them at first and they say, what is this wickedness that you have done? But apparently the Benjamites were so calloused, they'd been so conditioned to do evil that they simply were not willing to accept any accountability for what was obviously an evil, wicked act of murder. And so they, they, they chose to fight instead. And, of course, it, it had a catastrophic conclusion to it. I had somebody send me an email not long ago, one of our listeners, and was asking me about the story of the Benjamite War. 
and that as a picture of what's going on in our country, have we as a country reached the point where licentiousness uh, and excessive toleration for evil has reached the point where as a, as a nation, we no longer have a population large enough and convicted enough with the righteousness of God to actually do something about the evil that's happening. I think that my answer to his question would be where our political leaders are concerned. I think there's no, I, I don't see any, I've said this over and over and over again. How is it that none of our political leaders is willing to go out and actually arrest any of these people who are committing crimes in certain cases, outright crimes for which they should be in jail. And yet we have no magistrates. We have no politicians. We have no one in power who will go out there and place these people under arrest. I I commented on this when Black Lives Matter was burning down the country every day. And And I said, you've got to be kidding. We don't have anyone, Democrat, Republican, no one who is willing to go out there and hold these people accountable. And so as Sir Edward Cook, the great man of law who's responsible for our third and fourth amendment said, quote, success in crime always invites to worse deeds. Success in crime always invites to worse deeds. And that is certainly the case with what is happening in America today. Things are getting, unfortunately, worse and worse. Now, having said that, I'm still not a fatalist. You guys, I have to tell you, I'm not a fatalist. I believe that God can raise up men and women to turn this ship around and that there can be a national repentance and we can have a a period of reformation or revival, renewal, however you want to call it. I believe it is possible. I don't know if it will happen. But I do believe it is possible because with God, all things are possible. Nothing shall be impossible with God. Praise the Lord. So I continue with, uh, with hope for our country. And we, we just have to live one day at a time and do the best we can do to be God's bright lights upon the earth and to be good citizens of our nation as much as we are able at such a time as this and trust the Lord to guide us. As David says in the scripture, he says, the Lord shall lighten my darkness. And that's what we've got to believe. We've got to believe that God will provide us the light that we need when we need it. All right, brethren, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We'll stop it there, but we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio.